Can you believe these preachers? Can you believe it? For those of you who are watching online or visiting us here this evening, these are all our staff. Youth ministry, young adult ministry, pastoral care. I can't believe it. And I get to stand up and preach after that. And you wait till you hear our senior pastor who's following me. And let me just mention this, and it's true. They've preached nearly everything I had to say. <laughs> really. It reminds me of chatting with my doctor who's related to Tommy Lasorda, the baseball coach who died not too long ago. He told me that Tommy had to get up and speak at a leadership conference after Margaret Thatcher had spoken. And he was so intimidated. I mean, she was absolutely brilliant. And Tommy Lasorda, baseball coach, is going to come and speak after her. So he got up and said, do you know what? He said, I worked for days on my talk. I put it together. It was absolutely brilliant. He said, a Margaret Thatcher just got up and gave my talk. And then he went on to ramble around his experiences. Well, let's pray that God might take my lips and say what I'd left on the cutting floor from my study for this, this evening. He's got to come through and speak and help us out of his word. So bow your heads with me, please. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for this evening together. Thank you that we have been at the cross, beholding you, listening to you, agonizing with you, with tears of gratitude, making us a way to newness and forgiveness and another way to live and another family to belong to and a hope for the future, and to leave the ball and chain misery of our failures behind, and to live with living waters springing up within us, all because you died on the cross for us, for me. O oh Lord Jesus, Take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills and bend them to your own. And Lord, please, please take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus for every motion of your spirit this evening that has brought us to this point. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, the sixth word is this. Jesus called with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. 
And when he had said this, he breathed his last. The sixth word. We're coming to the end of our time together. And Jesus, in giving up his life, in saying, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit, is expressing something miraculous to those who witnessed it, and in particular to the centurion who'd seen any number of executions by crucifixion. That Jesus, Jesus was literally giving up his life. As he said, John chapter 10, he said, I lay down my life. No one takes it from me. I lay down my life. And in that same context, he says, because I do, my father loves me. We have this love relationship. And as I lay down my life, it is pleasing him. You know, when Jesus began his ministry, a voice came from heaven as he was baptized. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. This ongoing love relationship. And in the middle of his agony, as has already been said, Jesus was on mission. His mission to pay for the sins of the world. His mission was to lay down his life as a sacrifice. His blood was shed that we might be forgiven. Just hours before his crucifixion, at the Last Supper, he took the cup and said, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. So on the cross, he gave himself to it. Even when he agonized in the Garden of Gethsemane, just hours before again, a piece of his life squeezed in between the Last Supper and the phony trials and execution. He's praying to the Father. He knows what's ahead of him. He's sweating as it if great drops of blood. The anguish was so intense. And he said, Father, if this cup could pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. The very prayer he taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he gave himself to the cross. It pleased the Father who gave the Son and the Son to please the Father in laying down his life for you and for me. No one took his life from him. He laid it down. He gave it up. When they baited him and mocked him and said, come on down, if you're the son of God, he could have done so. But that was not his mission.
even before the judgment, the secular judgment of the Roman authority known as Pontius Pilate, he didn't say a word. And Pilate was amazed. He said, do you not hear these accusations? And then Pilate said this, do you not realize that I have the power in my hands to either save you or for you to be crucified? And do you know what Jesus said to Pilate? He did speak up. He said, you would have no power over me unless it were given you from above. And Pilate became party to the process by which Jesus laid down his life to pay for our sins that we might be forgiven and have a home in heaven. It was his mission. And so he laid down his life in death. And it's like he called the shots for his death. One of the other gospels says he gave up his spirit. Here he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now two or three things can be said immediately about that. First is this, there is a life after death. Like he said to the thief on the cross with him, today you'll be with me in paradise. Beyond the grave, beyond death, there is another life. And the reality is, outside of Christ dying on the cross, that existence beyond the grave is hell. To pay for those sins yourself. And the gift of eternal life is to receive Christ and be made new. There is life beyond the grave. This body is just a part of our existence. Jesus, again, just hours before at the Last Supper, said this, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be as well. What's he talking about? He knows his disciples are going to be absolutely crushed with despair at his death. And so it was. But he was telling them that through his death and then resurrection, hallelujah, Sunday is coming, through his death and resurrection, Jesus was preparing a place for us. I used to think in my naivety that when he said, I go to prepare a place for us, he's like making the bed, being sure it's all clean, putting some flowers in a vase, redding up the house, as we say in Western PA. No, he's not talking about shifting furniture and making a comfortable spot for us to bed down. He is talking about the very cross that we have been spending our time thinking about and his suffering and what it means. I go to prepare a place for you, the cross. And then where I am, there you may be. The way prepared was the way of the cross, the way of his death, so that we might be in heaven a home for us in glory. 
The Apostle Paul, in speaking about that very issue, said, for me to die is Christ. Say, excuse me, I'm misquoting him. I'll start again. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To be with Christ beyond the grave is the great gain, the hope of glory. Do you know heaven is your home? Do not leave here without that assurance. You can know. Can you imagine? And it's already been discussed here. It was part of my original address that two of the most unlikely people came to faith at the cross. Do you remember the words of Jesus? I, when I am lifted up, speaking of the cross, will draw all men to myself. And two of the most unlikely people were the other thief next to him and the centurion who was bringing about his execution. That day, because he was lifted up, they were drawn to him and to the gift of eternal life. And you can have that assurance, not because you're good enough. I mean, my wife, she was better the day before she became a believer than I was 20 years after I'd been a believer. She was such a beautiful, wonderful, innocent young lady. I mean, if she could have quoted Liza Doolittle, she would have said in those earlier days, I'm a good girl, I am. And she thought that. And when she realized that she needed to be born again through a friend of her dad's chatting with her in a car ride, and some friends at school who'd gotten to know Jesus. And she wondered why they talked about Jesus and not just talked about God. And she'd gone to church all her life. She knew all the Bible stories. She'd been baptized and confirmed. She'd gone on outings with the youth group. She knew all about it. But she didn't know Jesus. And when she was 16 years of age, she asked Jesus into her life and received the gift of eternal life. Without that, everything else is but a waste. I, on the other hand, was not raised religious. We never went to church. We never prayed as a family. And then a man in my early adolescence spoke to me about knowing Jesus and that he paid the price so that we don't have to go to hell and that we then can go to heaven with him in our hearts, with that assurance. And along came the day listening to the American Billy Graham that I gave my heart to Jesus and committed myself to him. And the beauty of this prayer that Jesus prayed, Father, into my, thy hands I commit my spirit. Again, that's a quote from the Psalms. Psalm 31 and verse 5, where it says, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And beautifully, Jesus on the cross 
added Father into thy hands I commit my spirit Father his Father his intimate Father the one he knew into thy hands I commit my spirit beyond the grave to be with the Father Heaven is a gift paid for by Jesus. Let's pray together. You can join with those words of Jesus as I pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, into your hands we commit our spirits. We give them up to you you alone give the breath of life. You alone breathe on us by your Holy Spirit and make us new. And the life which you give us at birth and the life you give us as our new birth, which comes from you, In trust and surrender, we yield our whole selves to you. Use us as and when and where you will. We are no longer our own. In glad surrender, we are yours. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.